for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right. To quote the, uh, the minister from Spaceballs. Let's do the short, short version. Because uh, we, we kind of have to. Um, it's weird. It's weird to record a podcast at this time. I mean, one of the biggest sports stories in South Dakota state history, A, a national championship, B, the head coach for 26 years of the program that built the national championship, retires right after that. And yet it feels awkward to do this podcast we're still going to do it because, you know, we're so big and people love us so much, Zimmer. They've been waiting to hear exactly what we have to say on this podcast. Right. But, you've, but what hasn't been written? What, what hasn't been said? Right. It's such an immediate society. Five days ago, John Stiegelmeyer retiring feels like five years ago. And it's like, what, what else can we say? He was an awesome dude. He was humble. Aw, shucks. Holy nutmeg. Uh, treated everyone with respect. Uh, you wrote a column about it. I am also uh, I have also written a column about it that has been published, and I kind of feel like is this going to tell anything anybody doesn't know? So what what are we going to do? What are we going to make of this? What should we do? I mean, Jimmy Rogers will get to obviously because that's that's what's intriguing going forward. It doesn't always work out swimmingly when you just transition right from the uh, the legend to the the next in line, the heir apparent. But anyway, you, well, you tell me what we could talk about here. Well, I just think, um, like you said, everything's been, been written. Uh, a lot of things have been said. Uh, no one, I mean, I guess it was kind of surprising, but it's not like we all didn't know that this day was coming sooner than later, just given Stig's age. Um, but I, I think the, the big takeaway maybe, the thing that's on my mind, and what, what maybe haven't we talked about so far, or Ben talked about with John is like, I'm going to miss him. And I mean that, you know, personally, because I've gotten to know John really well and he's such a nice man as we've talked about. Um, but I'll, I mean that professionally too. Like what's it going to be like covering this team without John Stiglmeyer? You know, uh, one thing I'll give myself credit for is I have never taken him for granted. You know, I've told anyone who's listened, I've said it on this podcast a million times, how lucky we are, the access he gives us, you know, that he lets us, come to practice that he gives us uh so much time that you, you you know you talked about that story you did with the the fargo guy who came up and spur of the moment you did that um you know how often i would just call or text him when i knew he was probably watching film or meeting with his coaches uh that i could just show up at practice anytime and want to talk to players and it was always there um just to you know how respectful he always was you know in moments when some coaches aren't you know, I mean, tough loss, big win. You know, he always uh, did things the right way, blah, 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 all those cliches. But um, I am going to miss him because from, that, from that. I always understood that he was uh, a throwback in that way. You know, I don't, I don't think too many coaches are like that anymore for a variety of reasons. Some coaches just are assholes or whatever, but then other coaches are paranoid or other coaches have athletic departments and, you know, overbearing bosses that are like, don't do this or do this and have all this. Don't say this or don't right, say exactly, that. Exactly. Um, I always appreciated that Stig was an open book. Um, you never 
had to worry about him, so to speak. You know, you always knew what you were going to get with him, and, and I'm going to miss that. Um, I'll have another one, yes. Sorry, we had to pause to order another beer. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't mean to sit make it sound like, oh, you know, the end of the good old days, and now it's going to be a whole, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like under Jimmy, Jimmy Rogers. I'm certainly not, like, worried about it. Uh, you know, Jimmy's given me some guff about certain things over the years, but he's never been unfair about it. He's never been a jerk. You know, he's a different guy than John. He just is. And everyone knows that. You know, he's almost kind of become famous for his intensity, his sort of gruff exterior and that icy glare that he has and, you know, just the way he coaches his players. Um, but th- none of that means he's a bad person, and he's he's not. Um, you know, I've at times, you know, seen a little bit of the other side of him, and I thought – at his press conference, you know, he, he broke down crying a couple of times, as he also did on the radio on the Sunday of the game. Um, that didn't necessarily surprise me because he's just an emotional guy, whether it's, you know, highs or lows, whatever. Um, but it felt to me a little bit like Jimmy was kind of trying to say at that press conference, like, <laughs> I can have fun. You know, I, I can I, – I'm not just this – I'm a know, human. Yes, exactly. I'm not some angry, you know, w- whatever. Um, and, and I hope that comes out. Because Jimmy's players wouldn't love him as much as they do if he was a prick all the time. Um, so it'll, it'll be fun, for lack of a better word, um, to, to see what that's like. Um, I'm really curious, you know, how he's going to be different football-wise. You know, John was just so hands-off. Um, we all know, we've talked about it, you know, John would let Jimmy Rogers, you know, run the defense. This, everything from the personnel to the scheme to who's starting, you know, the depth chart, all that kind of stuff. Which was John's side of the ball. Right. Yeah. Um, and Had been. Jimmy now has uh, is going to make Jesse Bobbitt the defensive coordinator. Uh, sounds like he's also moving Jesse from safeties coach to linebackers coach. That surprised me a little bit. I thought maybe Jimmy would, would stay, um, up, would keep coaching the linebackers. Sounds like, that, I guess that means he's going to do what Stig did and not have a position to coach. He'll, he'll be coaching the coaches, so to speak. So that's interesting. Um, but, you know, how much freedom is he going to give Jesse Bobbitt, the 28-year-old rookie defensive coordinator? I'm guessing Jimmy's probably still going to be heavily involved in the defensive game plan. Uh, what about the offense? You know, Zach Luhan's only 28, 27, something like that. And he had Josh Davis, the receivers coach, who had been an OC at Northwestern. Um, Josh was sort of there to help Zach along. Now Josh just moved on to USD to be their OC. How much is Jimmy going to be involved in the offense? You know, he's been a defense guy his whole career. Obviously, Zach just won a national championship his first year as offensive coordinator. Not saying Zach doesn't know what he's doing at all. But with the running backs coach moving on, Josh Davis moving on, you know, Zach needs some help now. You know, how, how involved is Jimmy going to be on that side of it? There's all sorts of things that are going to – there's going to be multiple new coaches. Um, and so everything from just – you know, the schemes to the personnel to who he decides to bring in to be his new assistants uh, to the culture that he wants. You know, are they going to keep the mad manual that, you know, the very famously John Stiglmeyer's make a difference um, sort of cultural guide. That I didn't know there, there was a manual. Yeah, wow. there okay. is. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just very curious and I'm not I'm not judging in any way. I'm not saying he should do this or he shouldn't do this. I'm just really curious to see what the program looks like under Jimmy Rogers. Well, like, I, I, you know, I still want to spend some time on Stig here, although anyone who's listened to this podcast from day one or picked up on it even within the last year 
we've talked plenty about him because obviously he's been a big part of, of South Dakota State's growth, but also their struggles to break through until they finally did. And uh, it comes down to him and, and the fascinating legacy he was building, but also we weren't sure he was going to have until he won a title. Uh, but since you're on Jimmy, um, look, I, I'd be, I, I was working. I, I didn't see the press conference. I didn't watch the whole thing. I read the stories that were written. You were, bizarrely, you weren't working at the time. I sort of was. But, I was there. But, uh, well, yeah, you were there. I ended up squeezing the column out of it, but it McC had to wait a few days. Yeah. Right. McCleary wrote the story. And by the way, uh, boy, I mean, first of all, what a nice thing to fall in your lap for your first story, right. uh, which was awesome. You crushed it, of course. Thank and um, But also, um, oh, what was I going to say? You're talking about McCleary. I don't know. Argus. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, <laughs> the only th like the thing that I took, I took away one quote from that, and it, it shows who Jimmy Rogers is and what he's willing to say. And I think it's mostly a good thing. And I know Jackrab fans absolutely f and love it. And I, I parroted it to uh, my closest North Dakota State fan, friend, Bison Greg, up in the Fargo area, when Jimmy Rogers said, "This class uh, will be the last class to only have one." Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, big swinging balls right away. <laughs> uh, and to a degree, that sounds really brazen. It's a great quote. It is. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard a coach say something like that. It's just, an, you know, I've heard coaches guarantee championships before and multiple championships, but not say it in that sort of way. Yeah, it was just eloquently stated. It was, yeah. a, it was a good quote. Yes. Uh, half of me half of me and I think anybody else who listened to it whether you're a Jacks fan a Bison fan or anybody else uh, thought okay um, this is first of all well what's not untrue about that I think even a lot of Bison fans figure this is not SDSU's first national title I also figure um, that you know this 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 was heard this was resonated and it was like wow that's that's a pretty bold thing to say no matter who you are no matter what you're all about yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Yes, that's okay. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, at, at first it seemed like, I, 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 you wonder how this plays in Fargo, whether it matters yeah, like, or not. Well, like you said, I, I don't think, you know, I made the statement after the national championship game ended, I don't think we've seen the Jacks win their last title. I don't think we've seen the Bison win their last title. And that, I think, is a much more maybe diplomatic way of, yeah. of, of putting yeah. it. And I don't think anyone on either side would take any offense to that. Yes. What part of why what Jimmy said doesn't seem very controversial is that we see what's happening in FCS. We talked about this on some of the previous podcasts. You yeah. know, um, are we going to see these same two teams in the championship game <laughs> three years in a row, five out of the next six years, eight out of the next ten years? I mean, I hope not. I don't think it's going to be like that. Um, but it could be. I mean, that's how far these two teams have separated themselves, and that's probably part of what Jimmy means. But also, you know, he didn't shy away from they talked about, you know, ev almost every starter's back for next year. Um, yeah. He knows what he's got. And, you know, on some level, what, what's he supposed to say? You know, he's taken over this team that's been on this upward trajectory. They just finally won their national championship. And some people have said, you know, hey, they should have had one by now. And we've, we've also said before, geez, if it wasn't for the Bison, they'd probably have three or four of them already. Um, so, you know, it, it, when he said it, it just struck me as a great quote, you know. And then I didn't think about much till later, like, like, was that really, like, 
not out of line, but like how, how just how boastful was that? And I kind of came to the conclusion, not that boastful. I mean, it's he's yeah. probably right. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, and I, eventually, I, I, obviously, eventually there will be a class, we, a class South Dakota State class of football players who don't you know, win a national championship. You know the hat I like to wear. We're from a sports media uh, recovering sports talk host hat. Uh, who, uh, you know, likes the most interesting and compelling things, and also the hat of a PR person because I've seen and heard a lot of PR wins and PR disasters. Mm -hmm. What's he, you know, so I feel like I could be a PR, well, I have been a PR person for the Canaries. So what's he supposed to say? I guess something like, we intend to win more championships. We are, uh, yeah. we're, 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 you know, but that's that seems very, I guess, for a school that's just as, Big of a rocket ship as South Dakota State is on right now, that that almost feels almost too weak. Like, because I remember that you can pick kind, all kind, probably all kinds of examples in the history of time where people said we're going to win titles, and they did, and they were right. Um, you, know, you know, Joe Namath is the most famous. Pat Riley, when he predicted a repeat at the Lakers uh, parade in '87 or whatever it was, '88. And uh, he, by the way, he regretted it. I mean, they, they backed it up and they won, but he regretted it. He said it made the follow-up much harder, be, and he put it all on himself because he told the world they were going to win it again. Uh, and then I think of Scott Frost. And look, South Dakota State's in a much better place, and I'm guessing, because it's not that hard, Jimmy Rogers is a better coach than Scott Frost. But Scott Frost, when he was introduced as Nebraska's coach, had the, had the famous balls swinging line of um, – it, when they asked, are you, you know, the Big Ten's uh, going to have to adjust. To yeah, the, yeah. How are you going to adjust to the Big Ten way of life? Because you, you know, because of uh -huh. the style you uh -huh. want at at U, UCF, Big Ten's going to have to adjust to us. Not it, so much. It didn't. Uh, yeah, it, it it didn't work out that way. I mean, I so, guess it's but this is a different situation. This I is guess a different it's possible situation. Possible that Jimmy runs it into the ground. That's no. always possible. No, um, but it's fine. I, I agree. don't think anyone thinks that's coming. No. no. It's you know it's not like oh it's not like okay, hand over your mouth oh my god no. sort of thing no. but it was still kind of like it show it did show you a little bit of who Jimmy is because because well, I'll say this is it something John Stegelmeyer would say no no it's not no he talked about national championships but right. not in that sort of way Jimmy does it but in another thing I appreciate about Jimmy he's not always um, you know he he's quiet for the most part you know he's not not a guy who is you know, runs to the media, and when and when you do talk to him, he, he he it's not like he's one of those guys that couldn't wait to get a microphone in front of his face. You know, certainly not Clearly. that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, um, he doesn't speak in cliches either. You know, he does. That's great. And yeah, and and I, I'm not even saying it's bad to do that. He's just going to shoot from the hip. You know, I don't know if he you know, plotted that that statement, that remark. You know, like. Um, it was funny, after the press con conference was over, uh, the SDSU Twitter sent out like a graphic with one of his uh, comments for those, the statement is the standard. Like they chose that as that's going to be the the catchphrase or whatever. And I was like, I didn't. Th Did they mean that statement that we're talking about? No. Okay. Um, and that it. When what he said are they talking about? Winning the national championship. See, it left out some context. Yeah. In, the, in the press conference, he said, winning a national championship beating North Dakota State and beating them, you know, whatever the final scores are, I don't remember, but a, bl a blowout. And he's like, that was a statement. And he goes, that statement is now the standard. When you put those two sentences together, it makes, it makes sense, and it's a good quote. But just the statement is the standard by itself doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I saw that, that that was on Twitter, and people were kind of like, what is he even talking about? Well, it made perfect sense when he said it. They just you know, kind of chopped it in half. 
Um, but I, you know, that's what he's saying. Like, hey, we're gonna hold ourselves to that statement: na winning national championships. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just, you know, I think for the most part, Jimmy's smart enough. Whatever knows better than to. You know, he's not going to be a big mouth, I guess is what I'm saying. But that doesn't mean he's going to shy away from saying what he thinks and shooting from the hip. You, you, you know who he's reminding me of? Who's that? Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini <laughs> light. Not, not, near, uh, not nearly as bombastic and asshole-ish. But defensive guy, yeah. not necessarily polished, not necessarily a guy who loves the spotlight. <laughs> but Not you know, afraid to curse. They have that in common. Ready to take over a program yeah. and is going to shoot from the hip. And may not be as as easy and sunny as a guy like John Stegemeyer to deal with or to extrapolate wonderful eloquence from, yeah. but still I mean, will I give you some good. Bo Pelini gave us plenty of good stuff. Uh -huh. And I interacted with Bo for a few years when he was coaching Youngstown, and I never had a problem with him. Well, and you could tell. Well, I mean, but that was I mean, a different the, job. It was, it was, but also you could still tell he was ready to pounce if you asked a stupid question. Oh yeah, yeah even <laughs> when that, he was coaching, he had that look on his face. Yeah, it was yeah, a great I mean, look. Yeah. What and, do you uh, want, asshole? That was his look. Right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, when I knew I was talking to Bo Pelini, did I kind of step up my game a little bit? Yeah. I yeah. Did. Um, Me not, too. Not because I was intimidated or anything, but it was kind of like, well, you have to if you're going to get anything out of him. Exactly. You can, you can throw John Stiglmeyer a crappy throwaway question and he'll formulate a crappy answer for you. Yeah. You know, if you ask Bo a stupid question, he's going to ask a stupid question next. If yeah. you're lucky, you know, probably yep. worse than that. And I think in that regard, he probably does have a lot in com common with Jimmy because I, I said in the column I wrote yesterday, Jimmy's fair, but he won't suffer fools. And what yeah. I mean by that is yes. if you waste, your, waste his time, if you ask him dumb questions, if you don't know anything about his football team, he's not going to like you very much. Right. Right, yes, that, that, and I started thinking Bo Pelini when I read that. He wasn't the only person I thought of. By the way, let's take a, just, just a quick detour here on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Oh, I sounded like a radio host there. I said the name of the podcast <laughs> here at the Gateway Ledge. Oops, I mentioned our, uh, our partner. Sound like a radio show. Um, can, can we just, like, mention what happened about five or ten minutes ago? It's never happened on, uh, <laughs> in, in the history of the recording of this podcast when you said you were distracted. There's part of me that wishes we would have let it come to light and actually investigated the situation, but it is kind of fun to speculate on what was going on. Was he drunk? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can we can we can ping pong this if you want back and forth. But so th there's just this guy that w like at the first five or ten minutes we were talking, he was going. Eh, eh, I guess if you want a description, he's eh, probably thir about thirty years old, bearded, good-looking guy. He was walking back to the bathroom. He was I didn't notice him. He, he well, he was just kind of staring at us as he was walking to the bathroom. Uh, by our table, and then when he came back, he stared back out at us, and then a couple minutes later, after he did those, he came back over here and just kind of stood here and loitered about five feet away from the table. Closer than that. And then a young female, which appears to be his girlfriend or newly found mate, somebody <laughs> he's obviously been intimate with, whether it was just last night or uh, maybe years, <laughs> I don't know. But she came over, and it's like he was waiting for us to talk to him, him yeah. acknowledge him. Like, can you see the headsets, dude? We're a talking. And yeah. uh, I didn't want to be rude, so I'm like, is this guy a fan of us, a fan of the podcast? And wanted no, to say nobody's hi. listening. And uh, or is and so my theory is just based off the fact that we started we saw them and looked at them but we did not let them in we did not even talk to them right <clears throat> we, because I think he was looking at the coasters on the table I think he was looking you know we, we don't have like a sign and a banner like some podcasts uh -huh, have uh -huh. like to just tell the whole bar so he just wanted to know what we were doing maybe yeah 
but I think he just saw they have professional radio equipment, and I uh, I am in a really good mood, and I'm with this really <laughs> hot chick, and I want to tell every I don't know what he was doing. My guess is they just met each other, and he's kind of on a roll, and that they're uh, they're already really drunk at uh, or kind of drunk at 3:45. <laughs> I don't know. It's you do. I. I that, sorry. It's not that I haven't been listening to every word you've been saying. No, I. I literally stopped listening to you, and that's why I had to make you repeat yourself. So I was like, "What the hell is this guy's deal?" So, what do you think? Do you care? Well, I know you don't well, care. Well, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, <laughs> we come in here every week and do this, and we've been doing it for what three, three years now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is and, our third uh, quote unquote season. And uh, the first, you know, few episodes, it did feel a little bit more like. You know, people were staring at us, maybe, but not. Aren't just podcasts so common now that you walk into a bar or any public place <laughs> and see a couple guys sitting there with microphones? You just assume well, there's two guys doing a podcast. Yes, I mean yeah. everyone's got a podcast, yeah, right? Big, like, yeah, big deal. The novelty's kind of wore off. Yes, you know, like, yes. What do you think we're doing, dude? Like, <laughs> signaling, you know, air traffic controllers yeah. that are there's, out on on break. There's you know? part of me that. So, do you do you think we did the right thing by just keep going, or do you kind of wish you would have wanted to know what no, he wanted no. to know? No. Okay. All right. I do not. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Right. Okay. Um, it it's uh, anyway the the anytime you have the hi we're good thank you how are you good absolutely I'll I'll take the crackers for sure never leave club crackers uneaten yeah yeah Gateway Lounge boy I could play up the pizza the wings the chislick the enchiladas but the fact that they give you club crackers with, with every salad, salad yeah. your fat-free Italian dressing that you would never guess is fat-free. Uh, so I, I, it's probably annoying to you and our listeners, but maybe to a point where it's entertaining. But I still think it fits. There's a lot of Tom Osborne, Huskers-era dominance that applies to North Dakota State and a little bit now to South Dakota State because before Nebraska... I mean be- the style of football they used uh, or the, the, the years of coming close dominance. and finally... Well, but for South Dakota's case, the years of coming close mm-hmm. and falling short in the big ones uh, and Stiegelmeyer having about the same arc as Tom Osborne, same yeah. amount of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took Tom Osborne 22, it took Stiegelmeyer 26. Um and totally different launching points. I mean, totally. I mean, Osborne inherited a national championship contender right away. Stiegelmeyer inherited a middling Division II school. So, I mean, it's different. But anyway, um, Nebraska could relate to North Dakota State because of a period of dominance, which mm-hmm. North Dakota State has doubled from Nebraska. Nebraska was 60-3 and three in a five-year span, three national titles, four national title games. North Dakota State's doubled all that. But so I so there's there's some relation to Stig and Osborne, North Dakota State and South Dakota State, and now Nebraska and South Dakota State because finally they got it, and maybe now we're we've embarked on that five year span of this is South Dakota State's time. Uh, but this is very very this is somewhat similar to uh, Tom Osborne handing it off to Frank Solich, Dean Smith handing it off to Bill Guthridge. Um, I disagree. I disagree. With well, that a lot. and here's 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 one difference. Here's one difference, and maybe this is why you disagree, because. These were long-time older assistants. That's exactly, yes. Okay, because yeah. Jimmy Rogers is like, what, 37? Four. 34, that's young. He's um, yeah. up and coming. These Frank other, Solich was not these up other, and coming. Frank Solich was 57. Going on 90. <laughs> He's pretty well built for a 70, uh, for an 80-year-old man now. Uh, but anyway, uh, but still, it's the, uh, it's the concept of uh, keep it in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why screw this thing up? 
and um, there's there's been mixed results whenever that happens, and it doesn't mean this was the right or wrong move. It doesn't mean Justin Sell should have gone outside and Look hired at NDSU. Him. That's the, the program they obviously have the most in common yeah. with. Yeah, go ahead. They're essentially mirror images of each other now yeah. in this cl classification there. Basically the only two programs left in FCS that are at that level that are similar profile of institutions. Um, Craig Bowl built it, and he turned it over to Chris Kleiman, who, if anything, made it even better. Yeah. Um, I think a better comparison here is Bowl to Kleiman is similar to Stiglmeyer to, to Rogers, regardless of what the ages of the guys involved are. Although I do think, you know, Jimmy being a young guy, an up-and-coming guy, just raises the potential that he could – impact that he could make. Um, now, Kleiman to Matt Entz – is still, I think the jury's out on that a little bit. Entz already has, I think, two national championships, at least one. Um, now it's slipping a little bit. Um, a lot of Bison fans think that's Matt Entz's fault, you know, that he's the wrong guy, that he's the guy who's bringing about the end of the dynasty. I don't know if I buy that. I guess it's possible. I but think they're more like my, I think a lot of them are like my Bison friend, Greg. They just aren't sure. Well, but I mean, it was, my point, greater point is, it was bound to happen to someone eventually. You know, it, you could have hired the, the smartest football mind that ever lived. You could have had, you know, Vince Lombardi and Bill Belichick. At some point, it's just it's just going to end. You can't sustain something like that forever. Uh, and you're starting to see it with the transfer portal, you know, how many guys are leaving. You know, some people want to say, well, see, this, this is proof. You know, Entz is, you know, not running a tight enough ship. He's letting it fall apart. Well, maybe it has nothing to do with Matt Entz. Maybe it's just, you know, the novelties wore off a little bit. You know, If I you mean, don't mind me stepping in, you heard my conversation with Bison Greg because he was saying all these worries. And, and I said, okay, clearly Craig Bull has proven at Wyoming, which is a wasteland of football, mm -hmm. and it's really hard to measure success at Wyoming. But he's still employed there. Mm -hmm. He's taken them to bowl games. A couple bowl games, yeah. So, I mean, there's but he hasn't gotten the other job. You know, he hasn't. Right. Wyoming was probably supposed to be a launching well, pad. Well, I think he's, he's in his 60s now. That's part of it. Yeah. But whatever. He, he chose that as probably his last hurrah. And whatever. He wins seven or eight games and goes to a nondescript bowl, and he doesn't. he's not in one of the big conferences, and he's kind of stuck. But it's not, it's not bad. He's proven he can, mm -hmm. he, he's proven mm -hmm. he can coach at that level. Uh, and clearly, Kleiman, cl holy shit. I mean, it, it, it kind of almost it makes you wonder if he was a bigger part of the success with Bowl than Bowl was when he won four. When he, Maybe. When not he, necessarily, though. When he was part of three, and then he won four out of five as a How head would coach. Kleiman do if he was at Wyoming? You know? It's I mean, fair. how would Bowl do at Kansas State? You know? Yeah, and Gene Taylor wasn't. Yeah. Right. 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 So, okay, but Kleiman, whatever. Like, he clearly has er he's proven and earned yep. his spirit. I don't care how bad Alabama As beat them in the As we all in the Dakotas predicted he would. Yeah, I mean, he's just, they won the Big 12 title. They beat the team that made the national title game, whatever. Um, and and uh, so it's kind of, so I told Greg, Craig Bull obviously can coach. Craig, Chris Kleiman clearly can coach. Um, and so, so maybe maybe it's not just the North Dakota State train and anyone can win there. Maybe those guys were really good. It's kind of like Osborne at Nebraska. And actually, I go back to uh, Osborne was 34 when he was he took over as really? the heir apparent to Bob Devaney. And Bob Devaney was one year removed from two national titles in a row. So it's probably a little. So this is probably a little. And Bob Devaney was about 60 years old. So this is that's a little more fitting of a comparison. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's. I don't know where I'm going. I, f I feel like we're in grumpy old men, and he's telling the story about. I was gonna say, are you okay? That's like the third time you've just completely spaced out in the middle of a point. You're <laughs> I feel to like make. I'm in grumpy old men, and he's talking about how all those flat-bellied doctors told him he shouldn't we're drink. We're talking about bacon. Matt Entz, and you got starting about 
talking oh, about Nebraska. It's, and, okay. Well, my point is, is maybe Matt Entz isn't that bad of a coach or unworthy of the job. Maybe there were just two great coaches ahead of him, and he's not uh-huh. as good as them. But that doesn't mean he's the wrong guy or he's not worthy of the job. I yeah, know we're supposed yeah, to be I mean, talking I, about South Dakota State, but well, no, I mean we're just like I said, the jury's still out. I think on Matt. Um, I said the other day, North Dakota State has not has not won its last FCS national championship, and I stand by that wholeheartedly. They will win another one because I don't think they're going to FBS anytime soon. Now, I could end up looking stupid for saying that in, in four years, but right now I just don't. The landscape doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. Um, are the Jacks going to win five in a row? I don't think so. Uh, have they won their like I said? But they're going to win another one. And, and right now, I don't see how they're not the favorites to repeat, um, especially with everything that's going on with the Bison. But you know, <laughs> that program is still very powerful. And oh, by the way, they haven't even yet seen the impact of their new indoor practice facility, which just they just started practicing it. What kind of impact did the SJAC have on the Jackrabbit program? Humongous. Now, maybe you could say NDSU was already so far ahead that, you know, adding the indoor practice facility won't even make that much of a difference because they already sort of have everything. But I don't, you know, the idea that NDSU is this crumbling dynasty, like, I just don't, you know. They were just in the national championship game on what was a supposedly, you know, down year, skies falling, injuries, and all this other stuff that happened to them. They still made it to the national championship game. If yeah. that's your if that's your bad season, you go 11-3 and three or whatever the hell well, they were and make it to Frisco. And the now tortured, arrogant mind of a Jackrabbit fan, my friend Bison Gray, who's a reasonable man, is not only wondering if Enns is the guy, even though he's won two national titles, uh, and, you know, made it to another national title game, only losses were to the Jacks and to an FBS team. Uh, he, But he also, of course, just had the drop in that the injuries North Dakota State had, that North Dakota State beat itself, and that, uh, you know, the Jacks were so fortunate to come across. Uh, the beating themselves, that's the, bullshit. But the, but the injuries were absolutely. They Actually, he didn't even mention the injuries, but I, Hunter I, I'm, Lipke. I mean, I'm he's tossing that in player. there for him, yes. Some people said he's the best player in FCS. And, of course, as we discussed before the national title game, hey, the Jacks were able to beat the Bison in Fargo. With Hunter Lipke. With, yeah. and, with, and with the Jacks not being with Tucker Craft. Without Tucker Craft, yeah. So, come on. I mean, and I just wanted to tell Greg just – well, tell him for me. He's full of shit. Same, well, same thing you were saying. It's at almost every position the Jacks have. We're better. They're are better. Are better. Yeah. And now, and next year, the Jacks have almost everybody returning. So, let's just they add. Do, I mean, Tucker Craft's gone on offense. Reese Winkleman, Caleb Sanders, who very, very big parts of the defense. So, yeah. those are big losses. But, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be loaded next year. I mean, let's just ask this again. Now I'm just saying Husker stuff to be annoying. Frank, so after Tom Osborne went out, three national titles in four years, 60-3 and three in his last five, he, he left with some of the best players in school history, also graduating, uh, Scott Frost, Amon Green, mm-hmm. and Jason Peter and Grant Wistrom on the defense. Nobody, nobody was at Bagan or thinking Frank Solich, considering what Nebraska had lost personnel-wise. Oh, Frank's got to win a national title in year one. Right. But it kind of feels like with Jimmy Rogers, that's the expectation, and it's going to be a disappointment if he doesn't. Um, True? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, I mean, Jimmy will tell you that. It's going to be national championship or bust, I think, just based on the personnel. But, you know, injuries could derail that if, you know, if – five key starters get hurt halfway through the year, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe that changes expectations. But assuming that doesn't happen, 
yeah, they, they're the favorites. They have everybody back. They're the number one team, and they, they by all means, again, barring major injuries, they should win the national championship. The only reason I say there maybe isn't that much pressure on Jimmy necessarily is he is a rookie head coach, and I think you give him some grace there. That's part, that's part of why this is questionable, for lack of a better word, timing. Does Stig really want to step aside and put those expectations on the rookie coach? Like, hi, you got to win it all. That's kind of where he's at, and Jimmy's okay with that because, you know, Jimmy's already been a part of it. But if they don't win it, I don't think everyone, anyone's going to go, oh, well, it was wrong to, to make Jimmy. The, Jimmy's not the guy. You know, we made a mistake. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy will definitely feel disappointed if they don't. It's Obviously, it's a different world being a defensive coordinator from a head coach. Well, he did say one, one of the things Jimmy said. And, uh, and that's not just during games, obviously. Yeah, but, but Jimmy was self-aware enough to say, like, I'm going to learn stuff, you know, like, yeah, because I, I asked him, you know, are you? Or I, I think the exact way I worded the question was, when did you know you were ready to be a head coach? And he said, I don't think you ever know for sure, something like that. But he said, am I ready to be a head coach at any program in the nation? No, I'm not. He said, I'm ready to be the coach of this team. Beautiful. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, and then he also said, but I'm still going to be learning. You know, he, he's... I appreciated that. I think if you're a Jacks player, coach, fan, you like hearing this guy say, I'm ready to take this job. I know I'm the right guy for this job, but that doesn't mean I know everything. I'm still going to be look, listening, looking. I'm going to have my eyes and ears yeah. open. I'm going to be listening. You know, I'm, Obviously, he's going to lean on Stig. He's going to lean on Justin Sell. He's going to lean on his assistant coaches. I'm sure he's got other mentors from other walks of life that we don't even know about. You know, he, To hear him say, I'm going to be learning on the job, when some people, oh, well, you got to win the national championship. Fine. That doesn't mean you can't still learn how to do this as you're going. He's a rookie. Okay. By the way, to answer your question from earlier, I think it's alcohol. Vodka. That's why I've spaced out a couple of times. You're going to be able to drive home and you uh, ride? I think I'll be okay. Um, the other component is how you alluded to it in your column. And a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, especially if they're not listening to it immediately when it gets released, on Tuesday afternoon, what is today, January 25th, uh, they've probably read your column, but w what can you say about how much of this was Stiegelmeyer, and I know he said it because he's been saying it all along, I'll retire when Lori said it's time to come home, and mm. she apparently said that. Okay, I'm not going to not, going to not believe that, but it also, uh, you alluded to they're, they're either was already or there was going to be down the line chances for Jimmy Rogers to take uh, big time, and we're talking Power Five conference jobs as a defensive coordinator that I think if any of us know the math, would have probably paid at least twice as much as Stiegelmeyer was being paid as South Dakota State head coach. Mm -hmm. So uh, how, how does this feel or, or what do you know or what are you willing to say about that forcing everything that's transpired. I don't have any inside information that I'm that I'm withholding. You know, it's not like someone told me, well, he got forced out or he didn't want to go or anything like that. Um, but I, I, you know, like I said in my column, why go now? You know, you had 199 career wins. Get to 200, dude. Um, you just won the national championship, but everyone's coming back. You know, win another one. Go out there and. and you know, like I said, maybe that maybe that means if you if you win the second one or don't win the second one, you know, you you choke, whatever, then Jimmy doesn't take over with those expectations. But uh, we all know, um, and there were a lot of rumors out there. I mean, there was a defensive coordinator opening at Washington State. 
and we know who the head coach at Washington State is. He's a former SDSU assistant. Jake Dickert, who used to work under, well, not under, alongside Jimmy on the Jacks defensive yeah. staff. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of rumors there. Um, to, to come right out and say, like, oh, John retired before he wanted to so they could lock up Jimmy, I'm not saying that. I don't have any inside information that indicates that's what happened or what's happening. Um, but I, I do wonder if John, because who's going to force John Stiglmeyer to retire? You know, Justin Sell has said how many times John can coach here as long as he wants. And I said on this podcast, I asked Justin at the end of the celebration party in Brookings, like, is John going to hang him up? And I mean, I guess it's possible that Justin knew something I didn't and just had a really good poker face, but it didn't seem like it. You know, he seemed very much like, we'll see. You know, and he said the same thing then. He's like, he can coach as long as he wants. When Laurie tells him it's time to be done, it's time to be done. Um, but it is possible, and I also think John Stiglmeyer cares about this program enough, cares about Jimmy Rogers enough, cares about all of it, that maybe if he felt like that's what he had to do, like, hey, if I don't, if I don't retire, we could lose Jimmy Rogers. And if Jimmy goes, yes. does he take Jesse Bobbitt with him? Probably. You know, all of a sudden you're sitting there with – an entire you got John and Zach Lujan and you know almost an entirely new staff you know it, it wouldn't at all surprise me that John said hey that's why the time is right I just won the national championship Jimmy's ready if we don't move now we're probably going to lose Jimmy if it's not to Washington State it's going to be someone else you know yeah. later this offseason or next year or whatever let's just do it now yeah and that's a very selfless act and really that that is the John Stiglmeyer reputation it precedes right. itself uh, every story we've read and heard about him is fairly selfless. That make a difference mad. I'm sure it drives Yotes fans or NDSU fans nuts, and they think it's a big phony thing. It's not. He is fairly selfless, and there might have been a part of him that thought he cares enough about the program, that he's this empire that he's built, mm -hmm. that he, he wants it to continue to be at the top and even get bigger and better beyond his time there, and to him the best way for that to happen in this moment was for Jimmy Rogers to be that guy that mm -hmm. takes over. And whether it was now or a year from now, that time was ticking. And if he wants Jimmy to be that guy, then you, you, maybe you let it happen. Of course, it's easier to go out once when you finally accomplish that national title. It's, that's what fascinates me is, is when coaches retire, when they retire. Husker parallel. I mean, Tom Osborne knew that Frank Solich had been an assistant head coach, gave him that label, and he told him five years, six years before it happened, give me five years, I'll retire, you, you take over. And uh, Osborne gave it one more year than he promised Solich, and that was at the time when both Minnesota and Kansas wanted to hire Frank Solich. Mm -hmm. And Osborne said, and then the story is Jason Peter and Grant Wistrom, these two All-American defensive players, NFL guys, said, uh, Coach Osborne, Come on, go out on top with us. Give one more year. Come on, you got to mm -hmm, coach us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a sure deal. We're going to win the national title. So he did, and then he gave it to Solich. But he gave Solich a, a comparably bare cupboard. Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. and, and Frank Solich coached Nebraska to its first four-lost season in 30 years in his first season. Uh, and then I've seen other head coaches of big uh, kind of dynasty empires like this. They'll do what Stiegelmeyer did. They'll retire when they know the cupboard's not going to be bare. They'll retire when they know they could have won another or two more national titles to add to their name and their legacy, but they passed it off to the next guy. So the next guy, who's usually an assistant, who's a first-time head coach like Jimmy Rogers. Bob Young to Kalen DeBoer. Gets handed a great deck of cards to keep the train rolling. Mm -hmm. So 
maybe that was it too. Yeah, I think the Bob Young to Kalen DeBoer reference is a pretty good one too. It doesn't always have to be about Nebraska, you know. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's more fun that way. For you. Maybe now those references will stop because there's Stiegelmeyer. No more story. parallels left. Yeah. Uh, I know you got to go. So, I mean, I'd love a good Stiegelmeyer story, but you wrote a good one in your column about the hockey helmet. And um, Yeah. Do you have any others? Um, probably. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, all the stories with John were just little stories like that, you know, because John didn't hang out. Right. You know, it's not like we have some story where we were at the bar one night and, you yeah. know, or anything like that. I mean, yeah. um, it's just uh, little things like how uh, when we do the Zoom press conferences during the week, uh, he always asks Zach Borg about Dean, his two-year-old son. And it was cute at first. After a while, it was almost like, John, could you come on? Like, yeah, Dean's cute. Can we, can we, can we work here? Like, come on. Yeah. You know, but that's just how John was. You know, I brought Arthur to practice a couple times. You can imagine, you know, how gracious John was, you know, excited to see him. And, and to be fair, you know, OJ is like that when I bring Arthur to Augie practice. John Anderson was always friendly when I bring It's not like that doesn't really make Stig unique in that he's an old sure. guy who's, yeah. who's nice to little kids or whatever. But um, it was just always um, – Really, maybe the best way to put it, a Stig story, because I don't, like I said, have any one this is what I'll remember kind of thing, is I always liked listening to him talk. Um, yeah. at, at the end of every practice that I went to, and I've been to probably 100 practices over the years, maybe more since I've been covering the Jacks, when practice is over, they all just like, you know, they all gather around in a, in a huddle at the center of the field, and John speaks to them after practice. And sometimes it's it's very, it's just, you know, house cleaning stuff like hey dinner tonight at six lift tomorrow at seven uh i didn't like how how uh, we ran this drill that you know something just in and out just you know but other times he would have you know some something of a speech prepared for them uh sometimes it was hey it's so-and-so's birthday and they you know say a little thing about that guy or whatever yeah. and, um, but I, I just remember how many times listening to john talk i would hear him say something and i'd be like i'm gonna remember he said that and if I had the time, I probably could, could make a list of, of one-liners or sentences or things he said over the years that I internalized, that I remembered, things that I felt like, you know, that can, that's something that, I, that can help me in life. Mm. You know? Um, yes. I think, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to talk to John now that he's retired. I don't plan on never speaking to, again, to him again, certainly. Yeah. I hope I see him in Brookings, you know. Uh, but I can honestly say, and maybe I shouldn't say this as a beat writer, because obviously you're supposed to have a certain level of detachment. But you know, I meant what I said in my column. That I feel like I'm a better person for having known John Stiglmeyer. You know, I feel like he impacted me in a positive way. Yeah. And you know, I have a dad. I don't need John to have like a father-son sort of relationship yeah. or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> but I could see myself asking John Stiglmeyer for advice. Mm. You know, and he was Absolutely. not. He was not my coach. Um, but he's the kind of guy, and I have enough respect for him, that I could see myself ever being in a situation where I don't know what to do here with this life decision or whatever. I could see myself asking for his advice and not necessarily doing exactly what he said, but valuing whatever his opinion was on something. You know, I had about three different uh, yeah. quick stories uh, but th that, I that I would tell about uh, Stig. And I don't have nearly the personal experience and anecdotes that you do, but anyone listening to this podcast probably understands that I at least talked to the man 
once a week for 15 minutes at a time for several years. And that was the, that was the basic nature of the relationship. A couple of tense interviews, one after he got the DUI. Mm -hmm. I was too intrusive. He was more than, um, you know, if you recall this, he was more than happy to basically face the music. I was, happy is probably the wrong word. But uh, <laughs> he willing, was willing to do it. Yeah. Willing. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, and, and he was great because I texted him that day. The news broke and just said, hey, both because I knew it would be a good interview. I knew a lot of people would listen and enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a businessman. We get a lot of downloads, you know. But also, give him the opportunity. Let's see what he has to say mm -hmm. about it. I was shocked. I texted him, okay, obviously the news is out. Would you like to come on the show and talk about it? And texted me right back, yes. And uh, something. I, mean, I don't know exactly what he texted me, but he said, sure. And uh, I'll admit, uh, you know, the first half of the interview, and Craig and I were doing the interview, but it was, I was asking most of the questions, um, was good. I, I put him on the spot. The second half of the interview, I probably went too far. I don't, I don't, I don't need to do a play-by-play -play here, but I went too far. And I, I know because people I trust told me that. And so, but at the same time, I texted him back, and I knew it. And I texted him at, at, during the break, and I said, just said, thank you for doing it. I hope I didn't go too far, whatever I texted him. But, uh, you know, it's impressive that you did this. And, you know, and he basically said, uh, don't worry about it and, um, you, you know, whatever. You do a good job. Something Stig would say, right? Mm -hmm. But then there was, you, you said you'd ask him for advice. Because so, I've got a couple of stories, and the, the one I posted on Twitter, at John Gaskins 981, about the Fargo, the Bison fan, the radio host from Fargo. Uh -huh. that, was, that, was, that was a lovely day. You can read about it. But... Um, and I'm going to post another column at John Gaskins 981. It's got a couple other anecdotes. The one I don't have because you mentioned the word advice. So the second time I'm working for the Sioux Falls Canaries as uh, running promotions entertainment, and it's Jackrabbit night, mm -hmm. and who else would I get besides John Stegemeyer to come throw out the first pitch? Back to back years. The first year I had lost my, I had lost my radio job. I, you know. And I was, pre I was pretty humbled. I was kind of depressed, as anyone would be. Um, he came and did it. And then I was dressed up as Harry Canary with these big, giant, goofy fucking glasses. I looked like an idiot. But I went up to him in his section. He introduced me to the wife and the kids and the grandkids. But then we had a great five or ten minute face-to-face -face talk. And again, I look like a fucking clown. Literally, because I am yes, literally yes, a clown. Yes, we've seen it. And he... Uh, and he couldn't, he couldn't have had a straighter face, looked me in the eye, and been <laughs> genuinely concerned about my... Job situation. Yeah. And my mental well-being. Uh -huh. uh -huh. um, you can't fake it when it's face-to-face. -face. You could right. potentially fake it when it's on the radio or even a press conference when cameras are rolling camera, yep, yep. and high definition. You can't fake it face-to-face. -face. The second year, I asked him for advice about, uh, about my own... Uh, son, my stepson, who was um, going to be a freshman in, I think he was going into his senior year of high school, and he, you know, like a lot of parents, we thought, because he was playing super small town nine-man football, he wasn't getting as many looks as he could, that he's better than the level of interest he's getting, mm -hmm. but he, and he also was, he went to the North Dakota State football camp, but he, for some reason, had some sort of a conflict with the, it, well, it was canceled, and then he wanted to go back to it. So I asked Stig about my son, is this going to hurt his chances of getting an offer from North Dakota State if he doesn't go to the North Dakota State camp? 
you know, I said, it was more of a general question. How much do you guys value? Right, right. How much can it really help a kid's stock and status mm-hmm. if he goes to your camp? And look, I don't want to give any trade secrets of the business away that he told me, but he gave me a very forthright answer. And it, it had really had nothing to do with North Dakota State or South Dakota State. Um, but I'll, I'll skip to his answer, which and actually it was about a family trip that we were to take out to California with his brothers and sisters and me and his dad to see my parents who he never gets to see and this just happened to be at the same time North Dakota State's football camp was scheduled. Mm-hmm. And he just basically told me, it sounds really corny, but it's, it's, it's Stiegelmeyer, but he's just like, always put family first. There's, you know, there's no football dangling carrot that is a better experience than, you know, because this was the first time they were going to go out to right. see the coast, a beach, mm-hmm. California, all that. Plus, you know, grandparents he doesn't really know. And so he's just like, take the trip. He's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, so I have asked him for advice. And by the way, to his credit, because he's a master, because either, because I do believe this was genuine, but also because he's a master of being a head coach, he made sure to ask me, what's your, what's his name? <laughs> and took his name down to make sure, okay, you know, I'll make, you know. Make sure they weren't missing we'll somebody. We'll see if we, yeah, we'll see if he's in our system, so. All right. Hey, for the third straight week, uh, for those of you who are just dying to hear Jackrabbit and Yotes and Summit League Hoops talk, it's coming. Seriously, sometime. If uh, if big stuff in football stops happening, we're not going to apologize. So that's it. By the way, epilogue, since I'm terrible at telling stories beginning, middle, end, Hayden is at Northern State. He redshirted last year and looks to be in the mix to play as a safety as a redshirt freshman this fall at Northern State. That's the end of the podcast, but it's not the end of the story. Thanks for listening. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, round drinks? Yes. Yeah.